Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm a hundred percent ready. I'm telling you, I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury. Hashtag don't blink. Before you know it, Ron Wolfley, they're all grown up. Cards Camp 2022 seemingly kicked off like yesterday. And tomorrow, it's already a wrap. I mean, three words every player in that locker room looks forward to. You did once upon a time. Cardinals break camp. Although we still have a couple of joint practices to go next week. And uh, by the way, did you see, did you hear what happened at joint practice today between the Titans and the Buccaneers? What was described, Ron Wolfley, as a, quote, mini brawl at the end of today's practice featuring a couple of heavyweights. Leonard Fournette and Jeffrey Simmons exchanging punches, actually a rooting and a tooting, whooping and a stomping out there in that joint practice between the Bucks and the Titans. You can't, I did not hear that, Paul. I did not. Okay, I took a little nap. I'm not going to lie to you, Paul. <laughs> Laid down a little bit. Maybe he had a little something, something right there. You're telling me there was a near brawl once again? Oh, there were blows exchanged. There, 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 were, there, were, there were hands thrown in the Titans, Buccaneers at the variance. Some described it as a full-out melee, but the beat writer, who's got like 30 years' experience, said, no, nah, it wasn't a melee, but it, it, Paul, it got good. This is exactly what happened last year. This is what happened between the Tennessee Titans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. They had two practices, and on the second day, there was Brawl City. Well, apparently Jeffrey Simmons, their standout all-pro defensive lineman, defensive end, um, apparently he was the instigator. He had gotten into it earlier with a Tampa guard. So I just have Boy, a prediction. How could that possibly happen, Paul? How could that happen on yeah, a football field? Exactly. So so what do you think? What are the odds? Let's go ahead. I mean, somebody called BetMGM. We need a poly prop here. What are the odds that, uh, oh, I don't know, Jeffrey Simmons might get into it with a Will Hernandez? <laughs> Or a Jeffrey Simmons might get into it with the guy they're calling Big Mo, Marquise Hayes, who will cover in depth in this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. By the way, it's featuring Justin Pugh, and we talk about the seventh-round rookie and Mr. Nasty Marquise Hayes coming up here shortly on the Big Red Rage. Just amazing, Paul. I cannot even believe the way Marquise Hayes is starting to explode. This after Justin Pugh. I had a conversation with him. I cannot wait to talk about Marquise Hayes because of Justin Pugh and what Justin Pugh was saying about Marquise Hayes. Uh, well, and I can't wait to hear what, what he told you in your conversation. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk to Justin Pugh. I'll just say this. Um, yeah. There were two other members of the O-line, I think it was yesterday, who pointed to 78 <laughs> and said, that's a real popular kid in our room right now. 
because they like the way he's taking it to the D-line. They, they, they like the tone that he's setting, so he that's good. He played very, very physical, Paulie, yes. in the first preseason game. All right, so we're going to get into that. We're going to talk to Justin Pugh about, oh, I don't know, Kyla Murray and his head coach. Uh, there'll be some interesting comments on that front. Here is the head coach, though, uh, talking about things that happened this week. You couldn't help but notice. In fact, we saw it again today. Kyla Murray, Hollywood Brown out on the field together. Uh, on Twitter, at Paul Calvisi, we coined it the one-two punch. That's their new nickname, Kyler to Hollywood Brown. He wears one, then Hollywood wears two, the one-two punch. And people let me know that actually – Cardinals Twitter had coined that like in the offseason, so apparently I was. Anyway, here's Cliff Kingsbury talking about Kyler and Hollywood finally together out on the practice field. Look good. Kyler looks sharp. Hollywood looked fast, so that's what we're looking for, and we just got to keep building that rapport. Did some 10 personnel and lined up all four of those wideouts together and looked like we could have some fun with that. Oh, you know he's going to have fun with that 10 personnel. You know that, Ron Wolfley. Yeah, you know what, 10 personnel, one back, of course, no tight ends. That means four wide receivers out there. Paulie, did you know the Arizona Cardinals, of course, they lead the National Football League year after year since Cliff Kingsbury has been their head coach in Four wide packages, 10 personnel. Did you know that, Paulie? I knew they were near the top. So they're ahead of the Rams and Sean McVay. Yes, no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, Paulie, it's a situation where you've got the New York Jets. The New York Jets are number two at 8% use, 8% use of 10 personnel, where the Arizona Cardinals are at 13%, Paul. That's Mm. number one in the National Football League. And the Buffalo Bills are number three, largely, I would say, based on what they did in the first half of last season. They're number seven, Paul. So the Arizona Cardinals basically almost double the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen and how much 10 personnel they actually use. Really interesting. I've got a little bit of a prediction for you, Paulie. I think that 13% for the Cardinals goes up to about all 16 17%, somewhere in there. Especially effective week seven when it's D-Hop and A.J. Green and Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, especially week seven, which means, of course, it'll increase exponentially. Well, what's interesting is Cam Turner told us recently here on the Big Red Rage, the quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator, that the Cardinals, that the offense, quote, majors in 11 personnel. Yes. And so, okay, but but yes, you see plenty of four wide receivers out there now. You're not going to see either Kyla Murray or Hollywood Brown, we expect, on the uh, game field this preseason. That was according uh, to the head coach. Whereas a Josh Allen, you actually are going to see. I mean, you saw Jalen Hurts. You saw a big hit taken by Jalen Hurts. You saw Zach Wilson go down. He's speaking to the Jets, the quarterback. Uh, you're not going to see a preseason game with Kyla Murray and Hollywood Brown. But the two of them were talking about their chemistry because I know there's been some consternation. Wait a minute, can they get their chemistry down? Wolf, as we know, we saw them out together in Cincinnati. I saw them together after practice today, today hanging out. These guys are the best of friends, legit. They have the chemistry going back to Oklahoma, and they were both asked about that this week, starting with Hollywood. Me and him be apart for months. We get together in the summer, go against some DBs, and we clicking like never before. I mean, I know him. He knows me. He knows what I like. I know what he likes. So it's just something that, you know, we kind of just got. What we did was in the past, but, like, there's just natural connection. That first practice, just being out there, um, seeing him out there was kind of weird. But, you know, I think everybody, you see him make a couple plays, and I'm like, oh, Leo, 
he's not just a fast guy or whatever you know uh, people think he is. But I'm excited for him to you know prove a lot of people wrong and make a lot of plays. Yeah, Polly, I'm really excited to see that as well. I think it's going to be a situation, though, you've got to keep in mind, Paul, with Hollywood Brown. It's not just about him making plays. It's about him running routes. <laughs> he runs routes, Paulie. Those vertical routes in particular in the secondary, man, that's going to get a safety's attention. And that's going to get a defensive coordinator's attention as well. It's what he does even when he doesn't get the ball. I talk about it all the time. Yeah, I think it was yesterday he got behind the secondary for a deep ball. Big, big connection with Kyla Murray. So uh, that obviously was good to see. And you wonder about that chemistry because, you know, players talked about it in the offseason season during the OTAs, during, during the minicamp. Greg Dorch talked about it with the media this week. He said instantly you could see the chemistry they have, and you forget they just didn't have 2018, the Heisman winning campaign by Kyler. They spent the two years prior when Baker Mayfield was a starting quarterback at Oklahoma on the scout team. And that was their game day. Those scout team practices, Kyler to Hollywood Brown, they would try and take it to the first team defense at OU. So they really have three years of that sort of, of chemistry going. By the way, well, speaking of personnel groups, did you see the signing late today out of the Cardinals front office? Uh, yeah, I did. As a matter of fact, Paulie, what are you saying? Are you saying uh, that there's an actual fullback on the roster, Paul? You did see it, and you do know where I'm going with this. Hashtag fishy fishy when the tight end happens to be 6-1-226 and has spent parts of the last two years on the Niners practice squad mostly as a fullback, Josh Hokett. So if he's been studying under Kyle Juszczyk in San Francisco, uh, interesting, is it not? <laughs> yes, it is, Paul. Um, can I just say this too, Paul? Are, are you sure it's Hokit, Paul? Because I was hoping it was Hockett. Well, is that Hockett? I just I saw the pronunciation, and uh, it was a capital H O, <laughs> which I translated as, as, as Hokit. Okay. That's what I. That's Hoke the way I'm it, going, Paul. Okay, I, you know what? I'm going to go with the Hockett right now because I don't know. I'm just going to go with Hockett because okay. it sounds so much better and it looks so much better on the back of a fullback's jersey. Hockett. Yeah, but nobody wants to hear you clear your throat when yeah. you're saying it. <laughs> that was really why, Paul. I ask you, what, exactly. why would you do that? I don't know. No, but that's going to be interesting to watch right now. You know the way that I feel. Listen, last year, the Arizona Cardinals, out of 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, Polly, they were right in the middle of the league, number 14 in use of two tight ends. I think that's a little surprising to most people right there as well, right? Number 14, Paul, right in the middle. I think that number is going to go up significantly as well. Well, the preseason opener at Cincinnati, how many times did we see a tight end in the backfield, in the gun, where there are two backs flanking the quarterback in that game? You saw it fairly yeah. often. You saw Steven Anderson in that role. Steven Anderson is nicked up right now, so maybe you know they bring in Josh Hokett. He f fills that Steven Anderson role, at least for now. And and so, yeah, I think this is an aspect of the offense that will evolve this year because uh, Steven Anderson himself has played a lot of fullback in his four years in the NFL. Trey McBride. Will go Sunday night, according to Cliff Kingsbury, the second-round rookie tight end out of Colorado State. And then a guy who's gotten a lot of reps and got his first career catch of any sort in the NFL, Bernhard Sykovitz. He met the media today, Wolf. And uh, here's the beginning of the press conference, uh, starting with uh, Darren Urban and a little Q&A here. You're a year into this thing, well, a little bit more than a year. Just how far have you come as a football player in that time? Ja, ich glaube, in diesem einen Jahr habe ich auf jeden Fall sehr viel dazugelernt. 
No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I think I think I got pretty far in this one year alone. Um, I feel way more confident. Um, I know the calls. I know how people move. <laughs> Solid. That's good, Wolf. I mean, uh, okay, some personality out of Psycho. And then, you know, I mean, yourself as a guy with a last name like Wolfley, do you care to translate what he said there in German? No, you know what he, he said there in German, Paul? I'm going to kick your face in. That's uh, what I think he said. I, I Don't hold me to that, Polly, but yeah. this is, uh, seriously, Psychovitz, Psycho, as I like to call him, and I think he actually likes it when I do call him that, Polly. Um, I honestly think this guy has got a chance. Now, again, um, I, I think practice squad could be his final destination, but I really like what I'm seeing from this guy. Hey, there's no doubt he has taken the next step. He's holding his own yes. in the full contact drills and, 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 and his hands. He's been catching most everything I've seen in all in all the passing drills, and so and they, and they targeted him, and he's been getting a lot of reps with even the first team with some of the other tight ends either getting a vet day. You know, Zach Ertz obviously has missed most of the last two weeks and then they're going easy somewhat on max williams and then trey mcbride with the back so he's he's had a lot of opportunities just get ready Polly. 21 personnel coming your way to the arizona cardinals taste it baby Uh, yeah good time to say hey a reminder of the day patch podcast catch it now wherever you get your podcast featuring uh, espn uh, analyst dusty dvorak available now and you can follow via twitter at patch pod all right popularity contest in the o-line room dj humphreys justin Pugh, i mean kelvin beecham or the new rookie that is all next justin Pugh on the big red rage justin Pugh came off the ball with a dark heart and a painted face getting some movement at the point of attack that's a physical football play for painters we have a lot of competition in our offensive line room, and I always say this every year, the more competition you have, the better. We played 14 different offensive linemen last year, so you have to have guys ready to play. So having Harlow getting valuable reps, having Josh Jones getting valuable reps, that's great for our team. You know, I learned over the years that if you really want to know what's going on in a training camp, you go into the O-line room. You find a guy with a decade under his belt. The wisdom that comes with that. And then and then you bring him in here onto the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. So that said, that's our intro for starting left guard Justin Pugh. Although, does your intro still include backup center? Where, where does that stand these days? Swiss Army knife. You know, we played right guard, right tackle, left tackle. I actually haven't played center in a game, so the other three positions uh, probably fit a little bit better. You take everything in stride, but if you had to play center, that would be a little daunting, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be, but you have to do what you have to do for the team. I mean, it, I, I enjoy the challenge. I, I, I would have fun with it. I'd mess with Kyler a little more than I do already because we'd be interacting a little bit more. Um, it would definitely be a difficult task, but something that I'd be up for. Speaking of messing with people, I asked some of your colleagues, okay? I went into the O-line room. I said, what should I hit Justin Pugh up with, okay? So let's see. Sean Kugler said just everything. Everything's fair game. Uh, didn't specify. Uh, a couple other guys said, you know what you should ask him? How much did he weigh on his wedding day? <laughs> <laughs> I had gotten pretty light on my wedding day. Um, again, I didn't know. I just found out that I was coming back to play this year. I thought after the pay cut last year and the way things were going, I'm like, oh, you know, they're going to have me walking out the door here. And on my wedding day, I got pretty light. I would say probably 265, and today I weighed into 286. So I'm up 20 pounds since my wedding. And what would you play at most of last year? 
280, 285. Really? So I'm as heavy as I was last year. And yeah. you like the weight you put on since, yeah. since getting light over the offseason. Yeah, it's a different type of strength. I mean, since I started training at um, with the Charles Bentley over in Tempe with all, a bunch of the offensive linemen, it's more being able to control your body weight doing a lot more more O-line specific drills every day, all day, and I feel a lot better. I mean, I can do 10 pull-ups now where when I started with, o, you know, o, o, it was uh, OLP, now it's AMDG um, training. I wasn't I wasn't able to do any. So it, it's been something that's been great working with those guys. I work with DJ Humphreys all throughout the offseason, Kelvin Beecham. So we have a great rapport that we can just show up and, you know, take pick up where we left off. Justin Pugh is our guest here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. So what stands out about this camp so far um you know it's been been a lot of ups and downs we've had a chance to you know things don't always go your way in a training camp and the the same cliche cliche things are said over and over again you know we got to get back to the drawing board we got to have time to gel and you know tomorrow's gonna be a better day there's always a day where the head coach yells at you there's a day where everyone gets into a bench clearing brawl um so we've checked all the boxes i mean this is just like most training camps i mean we've the beauty of being in Arizona is we get to be inside on this grass and it really takes care of your lower extremities. The knees feel good. The ankles feel good. I know a lot of places you're on a turf or you're, you're outside in the heat. Um, this has been good for, for us. And I'm, I'm excited to get over to Tennessee for a few days, go against someone else other than our defensive line. I know we're tired of seeing each other and uh, it's been it's been a good camp so far. Yeah, you termed Will Hernandez an enforcer, right, the first week of camp. I took that. Calvisi Consulting, we said, we're going to print up some T-shirts, Will versus everybody. But now we have to put out another T-shirt, 78 against everybody. That would be Marquise Hayes, the rookie. And he was filling in for you on your vet day at left guard. Tell us about him because he met the media. And if you want to catch everyone's notice as a seventh rounder, I mean, he's been doing that recently, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been playing awesome. I mean, that's one of the things. I mean, I tell him every day. When I take a day off, if you're not, if I don't come back the next day and you're closer to taking my job, you messed up. It's something that I love. I love the competition. I want him to go out there and push me to be better. I want him to be the next left guard that plays for the Arizona Cardinals. That's 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 my goal for him. And giving him all the advice that I can, everything that I see or little nuances. And, and when Coach Kugler corrects him, he's not correcting him on losing a rep. He's saying, all right, this is what you can do to get a little bit better. And that's something that's very impressive for me to see. It's not like he's having these to make overarching overhaul changes. It's little nuances that once he gets those down, he's going to be even better. So excited to see him play this weekend. And he's got that element that you can't teach that edge right dj called him an old school mauler that, <laughs> that dog i mean when you have a, when you have a dog in there and you go out there and you bully people that's going to catch the odds of everybody and he's been going out there playing that way and he's got a great attitude he's asking questions he's and then on top of that he's been a great rookie my, for my birthday they went out and got me blizzards from dairy queen um <laughs> they got pizzas for for coach coogs on his birthday so they've done their rookie duties as well that's well done absolutely i ask this a lot of veterans players no players right how long does it take you to determine when a rookie comes in if he's got a shot if he can be a player how long does it take you the first day in meeting him i mean it's it's more offensive line is more about demeanor it'd be the first day meeting him if i know his mentality is right and then the first day in full pads in training camp whether i know they're going to match up because sometimes so i guess that there's a, a difference in those two it probably takes the first day of training camp once we get in full pads to see how they're going to react. And then I guess there's, there's three tests. The first one meeting them is, is mentality right to fit into the offensive line scheme. This isn't a me, me, me type of atmosphere. you got to fit into the room. 
first day in pads, and then first real game. Once the the bullets are flying live, you got fans in the stadium. There's a little more pressure. There's a little more angst of like having to, you know, it's not the same as just going through a full pad of practice. Those three tests, you pass those three, we know that there can be some success down the road. Justin Pierre, I guess, in the Big Red Rage. So, look, if you're Marquise Hayes, Lasita Smith, these guys, training camp is very important. The preseason games are important. But for veterans who are already atop the depth chart, it just seems like preseason games – they just don't matter much anymore. Think about this time a year ago. Kyler didn't play in the first game. There was no third game. The middle game, he was one of four passing for two yards. A lot of guys like me, you know, it's the end of the world. Are they going to be ready? And what happens? Week one at Tennessee, he throws four touchdown passes and a passer rating of 121. So I guess my question is, why do these preseason games seemingly matter less than ever? I think they just never mattered. I mean, I really do. I think it's for young guys to come in and get a chance to get a, a – a, a fresh start and, and really start to mold and who they're going to become to shake out those last 10 to 15 position groups. Only bad things can happen in preseason. You lose a guy for the year. Look at the Jets. They almost just lost their starting quarterback for the year playing him in a preseason game. Jalen Hurts got hit so hard that they he, they might have needed to sit him down for a week if he might you know get a concussion or something like that. I get playing a, a short period of time to go out there, knock the rust off, punch somebody else other than your own teammate, and then pass – I say punch, I mean pass protect yeah. so we don't get the, the Twitter army <laughs> over me going out punching people. Um, but I truly believe the, the games on Sundays is where we get paid to play. It's what the fans show up to see. And, and it's the most important thing. And you look at the L.A. Rams last year. I think a lot of teams are kind of – you see teams yeah. that won the Super Bowl and how they're doing things. The Rams didn't play anyone in preseason last year, and, it, and it's about staying healthy. You need your stars out, yeah. on the, out there on Sundays, and you need the stars in the playoffs. No, that's a good observation. Coach Cliff has cited Sean McVay and the way they've done things. I saw Justin Herberts going into year three with the Chargers, their franchise QB. He's yet to play a preseason snap ever even though he's a young guy. So that just shows you the approach. How about that game in Cincinnati from this following aspect? There were three goal line situations, and that offensive line, the backups came off the ball, and, man, did they not dominate? And was it not good to see the straight-ahead run game boom right into the end zone? One of the things that we're trying to improve upon is our red zone offense. I mean, now there's no there's a glaring issue last year of us not converting and getting touchdowns. And it was awesome to see that. And as the first game, it set a tone that, hey, this is something that we've worked on in practice to see it actually be successful on the field was great. Now, do we got to go out there and do it against the Chiefs for the first game of the season and then we can start to build off of that? Yes. There's a long ways to go, but there's a foot in the right direction with the last game against the Bengals that is very positive. But that, that is a mentality, is it not? Because that, that red zone touchdown percentage is a huge dictator of the win-loss record, right? There's a, there's a lot of things that go into it. I mean, you could look at turnovers. You could look at, you know, just certain different things that, that are very highly predictive of if a team is going to be in the playoffs and be successful in the playoffs. Um, and I think red zone offense scoring touchdowns, it's another one of those stats. It's very indicative of who's going to be in the playoffs. So we have to get better at that. It's, it, and it's also indicative the red zone offense and, and efficiency is the same of big game efficiency. I just think there's a correlation there. Things get more intense. There more, there's more pressure when you get in the red zone. Everyone's antennas go up. The, the, the windows are tighter. The holes are smaller in the run game. And that's just like a big playoff game or a big Monday night game late in the season for, for can, you know, playoff positioning. Those things go hand in hand. And, we have, and we've lacked in both. So I think we, if we can start succeeding in the red zone and getting better at those high, high intensity, high pressure moments, that will translate more to the end of the season and winning those big games. 
Justin Pugh, our guest here on the Big Red Rage, the style of the offense this year, how do you think it evolves? Because guys like me, we say, well, now, wait a minute, that game against Cincinnati, the quarterback was under center quite a bit, especially in goal line. We see the three tight ends re-signing James Conner. These are all indications that maybe there's a more of a, a straight-ahead power approach to this offense. What do you think in terms of the identity and the style of offense this year? It's still evolving. It's you, you never know what's going to happen, what pieces you're going to have that week, who you're playing, what their philosophy is. You have to be able to be multiple. To just go out there and line up in 10 personnel, which is all receivers and one running back, is is something that I'm sure Cliff would love to do, and that's what everyone thought we were going to do from the from season one on. But we've shown that we can evolve. We can be multiple. We can do different things. We can have that power running game because you need that late in the year. So I think having the flexibility is what's going to do us – the biggest benefit going forward. We can go up there and run the ball if we need to, if we're up in a game, or we can spread them out. And we have so many different skill guys that can make plays out in space that we get the ball to them. We can go fast. Hey, we saw an edge with your head coach starting in Tennessee a year ago. You saw him this up. We've seen him in camp so far. Give me one false narrative or misnomer about Cliff Kingsbury now in year four, or even Kyler Murray that you see in the national media. And you just shake your head and go, man, that is false. Well, I think like the whole we've we've seen the Kyler um, drama unfold in the beginning of training camp. He's shown up every day and done what he's supposed to do. I was here before Kyler Murray came and became a Cardinal, and we were probably the worst offense in the NFL. So I think you were, I, it was historically bad in eighteen. I really think people forget that quickly, and it's always like what. Well, what can you do more? I mean, Kyler's got us in contention. We're in primetime games. We're making the playoffs. There's something to be said about that. And obviously the Cardinals feel the same way. They gave him a new contract. Cliff, Cliff coming in, I think he came in as Larry Fitzgerald. He's got a lot of veterans. He's trying to see how am I going to fit into the NFL. He's never coached at this level before. And he's started to become asserted himself more in the locker room. He'll get out and, and, and get on guys a little bit more now. And and, and, the, and just in meeting rooms, he's more assertive than he's ever been. And that's something that's great for us to see. He is, uh, you know, obviously he got he got a new extension as well too. So that that continuity and that continuous uh, continuity has been great for the team to see like, okay, we have a quarterback for the future. The GM's resigned. The head coach is resigned. Let's everyone breathe a sigh of relief and get back to football and not worry about off the field things. All right, wrap it up here with Justin Pugh. You mentioned the joint practice. Practices. What do you expect? And are you going to see your guy Blake Shelton in Nashville, by the way? Didn't, didn't you hang out at the Shelton concert? I hope so, yeah. My, me and my wife went to the, the Blake Shelton concert. Cliff was there. Kyle was there. Ertz was there. Got to meet Blake and his wife, Gwen, and, and, their, and, their, and the kids. So it was awesome. They're a great family there. And it, honestly, you, you, when you meet somebody of that fame, you're like, oh, what's he going to be like? Blake Shelton couldn't have been a cooler guy. He is so down to earth. It's like talking to your best friend. You feel like you've known him forever. And he's a huge Cardinals fan. I mean, he's a legitimate Cardinals fan. He knows everything. He knows everything. And <laughs> that, that was something where we could talk ball on. Yeah. It was, it was, it was very cool. Are you giving him any commercial real estate tips, Blake Shelton? Are you guys going to do some business together maybe? If he wants to. I mean, I'm, I'm working through it right now. The company I'm working for and, and interning for, you know, it's been, uh, it's been good. So if Blake wants to get into some commercial real estate, come on down, Blake. i got the right guys for you. <laughs> All right. Justin, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. Looking forward to this season. We'll continue with the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford right after this. Cardinals first and goal from the one. Arantano under center. And here's Ingram to give. He barrels straight ahead. Powers his way to the end zone. And touchdown Cardinals. That power run game near the goal line. 
accounts for yet another touchdown in this game. Jonathan Ward, a pair, now Keontae Ingram. We think we have a really talented group. There's no doubt. I mean, there's six guys in there right now, and we feel like all of them can play at this level. And we're going to see how it shakes out over the next couple of weeks, and, and hopefully, um, you know, we can do what's best for the organization. But the, there's been some impressive performances by those guys in camp so far. Some would say on the sideline this week, Wolf, that the Cardinals have five running backs who will be on a week one roster. Not necessarily the Cardinals' week one roster because it'll be musical chairs and there's probably four spots for five guys. But that's how talented and deep they are at that running back spot. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. Special thanks to Justin Pugh. And uh, Justin Pugh talked about the importance of the red zone touchdown percentage and how when the Cardinals struggled last year on offense, that was a big problem. It has been a big focus in this training camp. Yeah, Polly. Um, you know, you're talking about a team that was tied for 15th in the red zone. And at the same time, they got so much better at running the ball in short yardage and goal line situations. They need to do better when they're just in rundown situation, I would say. First and 10, second and one to six. When you're in the red zone, that's where I think they really can improve an awful lot. But I love to hear Justin Pugh talk about that, Polly, because it, it signifies a change. It signifies acknowledgement of a physical nature that they need to adopt, and especially in the red zone areas, Paulie, they got to get more physical and do a better job running the ball. And you heard him say, oh, look, you got to be multiple. You just have to. Any yes. team in the NFL, you have to be multiple. You can't just do one thing because it'll be too predictable. So the Cardinals, you got to figure they at least they have the depth of talent on offense now to do a variety of things. Interesting other takeaways from that interview. I I don't know about you, Wolf, but when he said that that Cliff is asserting himself more than ever in the locker room, in the meeting rooms, out on the field with, with guys, and you know just that contract extension now, year four, and he came in from the college game. You have guys like Patrick Peterson and Larry Fitzgerald out there, so so that was intriguing. And then just the progress he's made his own body, and, and how he said when he started his off-season work and he's putting the weight back on, he couldn't do a single pull-up, and now he can do ten, and he said he feels great. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I want to go back to Cliff Kingsbury and what you just said about Cliff and what Justin Pugh was saying about Cliff as well. I really do believe this is this is great news because Cliff Kingsbury has got to continue to grow as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And it doesn't surprise me to hear that Cliff is being more assertive, that he's being more demonstrative, if you will, not only in a team meeting maybe, but also out on the field. It's not a surprise to me, Paul. This is just the evolution of a head coach, and Cliff has got to continue, I think, to do that because it's it's certainly having an impact, I think, on these guys. And you know what's also interesting, Paulie? For the first time, we heard Cliff actually call a player out. I, I can't remember Cliff ever calling a player out and and speaking to the media publicly, and yet he has done that a couple of times so far this training camp. That just tells me he is growing as the alpha.
Yeah, no, that's a great point. I totally agree with that. And then we asked Justin Pugh about uh, 78, Marquis Hayes, seventh-round pick, guard out of Oklahoma. I, I want to hear your story and, and what you were talking to Pugh about. Um, we heard him a little bit just uh, giving him props, the rookie, and he said when he is corrected by Sean Kugler, it's not like it's huge issues. It's just little nuances in the words of Justin Pugh here and there. But, you know, he has that dog in him where he's he's able to, quote, bully people. And uh, so just uh, DJ Humphreys, was uh, echoing some of those comments from Justin Pugh and uh, just those intangibles that they've seen in the rookie Marquise Hayes. There's certain stuff that you just can't coach. You know what I mean? Like, we can get your feet right. We can get your technique right. We can't make you want to punch somebody in the face. If you don't want to do it, it's just like you're never really going to want to do it. But at nature, that's what he's thinking about. Like, I might miss him, but I'm going to try to punch him right in the face. You know what I mean? It's like, I love that. Like, it's great. Like, you're a pup, and, like, that's your mindset. Oh, we're going to be fine. Yeah, you know what, honestly? Why are you so bellicose, DJ? Why? <laughs> you punch you in the face right there. You know what, though? I love that. Uh, can I also tell you that Justin Pugh, it was interesting, you heard Justin Pugh call Marquise Hayes a dog. Did you not, Polly? Yep. He called him a dog right there, Paul. When I had the opportunity of talking to Justin Pugh during a practice on the sideline, he called him a butthole, Paul. Now, again, he and he was much more profane when when he called him that, Polly, okay, he called him that, and I said to him, I looked at Justin, and I said, Justin, what do you what do you mean? You you mean on the field, right? He said, Oh, totally on the field. When he walks in between those white lines, he becomes a butthole ball, and that's what he said. And you know, honestly, um, he's got the nasty. He's got it. He's got that something something coming out of the side of his neck. And if you watch it on tape, I don't know if you had the opportunity to see some of the tweets that actually hit the air. But, man, a lot of it had to do with Marquise Hayes going after guys and railroading them. I, I did not see those tweets. Was he finishing guys? Is that what it was to the echo of the whistle? He was finishing that... guys, Paul. He was burying guys, as a matter of fact. Because, uh, that may or may not have been what he did earlier in camp this week. That may or may not have started what somebody called a, a six-car pileup during practice. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, here's Cliff Kingsbury on what the seventh round rookie, by the way, goes like 6'5", 320. I mean, he's eye to eye, if not more, even a notch taller than a DJ Humphreys. He is enormous. And here's his head coach on Marquise Hayes. He's got that size, and um, I think he can continue to improve the footwork, different things. The more comfortable he gets in our system, I think he'll he'll move quicker and process quicker. But when he knows where to go, I mean, he's moving bodies, and, and he's coming with a, with a purpose. You know, he once told- again, Paulie, sorry to interrupt, yeah. Paulie, but I, I love the fact that he, he's from Oklahoma. You know, he's he's gone against some really, really good talent. He does have that size, Paulie. Number 257 taken overall in the draft, Paul. Wow. Think about that. A seventh-round pick. Do you think he's got a chip in his heart, or is it on his shoulder, Paul? I'll tell you, it's in his heart. Yeah, it's like Lasita Smith going in the sixth round. He could be something. Uh, Keontae Ingram was the 19th running back taken. He was round six as well. And speaking of Oklahoma, Cliff Kingsbury cited their very well-known position coach, the O-line coach at Oklahoma, who's known for instilling a lot of nasty in in his pupils. And so uh, he comes from that program. Marquis Hayes also telling the media today that, that he's calm off the field and, quote, out of control on the field. 
That's the way he described his own style. <laughs> so that's very interesting. And you know what? Let's zoom out now and talk about the room because, man, it is loaded, is it not, Wolf? You look at the depth in that room, and uh, whether it's nine guys, whether it's ten guys, uh, there's going to be a quality offensive lineman that's left off because beyond the starters, you have Sean Harlow, Josh Jones, Justin Murray, Rashad Coward, Josh Miles, and then the two rookies, Lasita Smith and Marquise Hayes. Yeah, Polly, You know, Marquise Hayes is messing this thing up right now because it was a situation you were looking at and you were saying to yourself, man, I know eight. I know eight of the ten guys are probably going to keep right here. And, um, of course, you already mentioned them. Josh Jones, Justin Murray, Sean Harlow, those three probably. The five starters and then those three guys right there, they're going to be the eight. And maybe they're going to go out and they're going to get some offensive linemen from somewhere else when the cuts actually come down and happen. Maybe it's going to be Lasita Smith. Marquise Hayes, the seventh round pick, Marquise Hayes. I don't know, Paulie, based on what he's laying down on tape right now. If he continues to play like this through preseason game number two and number three, I <laughs> there's no way you're going to cut him loose out there, Paul. No, there's no way. And, and you know what? It reminds me a little bit, Wolf, and you'll remember this, of the late, great Pat Tillman, who came yes. in as a seventh rounder. He came in yes, as a tweener. Paul. And what did he do? He was the nastiest guy on the field. If a drill was three-quarter speed, he was going 120%. He started multiple fights, and by the end of camp, and Vince Tobin confirmed this recently. We did a story on Pat Tolman uh, for Cardinals Folktales, and I sat down with the then Cardinals head coach. He said, you know what? We needed that physicality. We needed that mentality. We needed Pat Tolman. That's why I kept him on the team. Yeah, man. <laughs> You know what, Polly? It's a great point. It really is. And I do believe that the offensive line is always going to be what sets the tone for this team. Yes, the offense is incredibly talented. Oh, my goodness. You look at all the talent the Arizona Cardinals have. But you know what, Polly? You also have to be tough when you play the game of football. It's a combination of talent and tough. Now, I played on a lot of teams. We had a lot of tough guys, Paul. We weren't very talented. And because of that, we weren't good. You have to have the talent to win to begin with. If you don't have that, you're not going to win. All the toughness in the world isn't going to help you win. But, man, when you do have the talent and you're also tough, now you got something special, Paulie. Yeah, because the other great quote this week came out of the secondary. Antonio Hamilton, who's bidding to be a starter across from Byron Murphy Jr. at this point, he was asked just about the cornerback room and how there might be a lot of doubters and haters on the on the cornerback position on the team. And his quote was, hey, if they want to make us the underdogs, I'm all for it. We're going to carry that chip. And if you all think that we're going to be the slouch of this team, then you all got another thing coming. Antonio Hamilton. So... I tell you, if there's one theme of this camp, I mean, there's definitely an edge out there for everything that's, you know, the indoor and the climate control and everything. I get it. It's not old school football, but this team has been practicing with an edge so far. The great thing about it, Paulie, is the great thing about it, Antonio, you get a chance to prove it. Next test will be on Sunday night against the Ravens. Uh, you can catch that right on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Lamar Jackson not going, Kyler Murray not going, but it'll be plenty to see. And you know what? We'll talk about some of those things we're going to be watching next. Cardinal season tickets, by the way, at easycardinals.com slash season. Big Red Rage back right after this. 
Allen looking for room, and he doesn't get it as he is sacked from behind. Victor Demukeji crashes the pocket and registers the sack. Trips to his right, looking right. Now coming across the middle, he's hit from the backside and strip sack. Ball down on the turf. It's recovered by the Bengals, but a huge rush and sack by Victor Demukeji. It wasn't just those two sacks, Wolf. Talking to some folks on the sideline this week, they said his entire body of work against the Bengals was really solid. He really graded out well on the film, both in the pass and against the run, and that he's a different player in year two. It's the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and Victor Demukeji. I mean, sort of the theme in this one, talking about sixth and seventh round picks throughout the show. Here's a guy out of Duke a year ago. Paulie, I absolutely love what I saw from Victor Demukeji. First of all, he's got a great last name. As you know, I love the Demukeji. It just it just sounds like football, Demukeji. Uh, they got him listed here, Paul, at 6'2", 265. Paulie, can I say <laughs> he's, he's not 6'2". I mean, this is just me, all right? I'm just saying, what are you doing? I, I'm looking at a guy who's probably not even 6'1", but having said that, he reminds me so much of James Harrison. You've heard me mm. say this before, Paulie. He does. He's built low to the ground. He's got a thick base, and he's got a little burst to him, and he's got that strength, that bull rush strength that he can always waylay an offensive tackle with. He's going to be one of the guys that I'm going to be watching coming up against the Baltimore Ravens. I think this is going to be a physical preseason game. I think this might be the most physical preseason game because you know how the Baltimore Ravens, how they like to roll in the preseason, Paulie. I think they're 21 and 0. They're undefeated since 2015. It's just incredible. They they're a physical team. They're gonna play downhill. That means Zaven Collins. I'm looking at Zaven Collins right now. He's gonna get the opportunity to get some juice. It is a no comprendo the 21 game preseason win streak by by the Ravens. I think DJ Humphreys today was presented with that stat. He said he was not aware of it. He paused. He said, "Well, that's that's exciting and also a little confounding." But okay, it is. the Ravens have won 21. And it's funny you bring up Victor Demukeji's size because the Ravens are known. I mean, if any team has their own philosophy and their own culture and their way of doing things, it's the Baltimore Ravens. And one thing they're known for is massive tackles. And so I know some of the town evaluators want to see Victor Dumukeji on Sunday night against the size of tackle that the Ravens usually have on the roster because of his lack of size. But he has changed his body, he told us, after the game in year two. In fact, here's some of what he told us where he has improved in his second year in the NFL. The biggest thing was, you know, working on my mental game, you know, getting the plays down, which has helped me play faster. I feel like that's the biggest thing that I've improved on. You know, everything is second nature to me now, and I'm playing way faster. And, and you know, it's not just the mental side, because we asked him later in the interview if he's actually improved his get-off. Because, well, if you don't hear that very often, right, that a guy's able to really improve significantly, his first step is explosion. But both Victor Demukeji and some of the coaches have told me, yeah, he is. He's much better with that first step. And he yeah. sort of redefined his body, worked with Buddy Morris in the offseason like a number of the guys. And he just, you can just see it. He, he, he just has that explosion now. Yes, Paulie. You know, and he's almost 265 pounds. As a matter of fact, when we had that conversation, 
conversation. Victor Demukeji was telling me that he was 263 to 265 pounds, somewhere in there, and he wanted to be right there. Pauly, you know what? He's built so low to the ground once again, and his legs are so thick. When he bowls you, he comes upfield, and then the bull rush comes? Oh, my goodness. Look out. That's a tough proposition for a tackle because Victor can get underneath these guys. But, um, man, I'm going to be looking at him, Pauly. Trey McBride as well, oh, yeah. Pauly. Trey McBride's going to play on Sunday night. I'm looking at that guy. He made a couple of catches yesterday. Oh, my goodness. In traffic, he is such a natural pass catcher. You know, you got to see him now in a full contact, full go game and see how he is at the point of attack. But, man, he makes catching the football look real easy. That's going to be intriguing. And then Wolf, look, preseason game number two. I don't know if the Cardinals got many answers when it comes to Marco Wilson and Zayvon Collins. But yep. those guys are on the radar. They yeah. have to show this coaching staff something, don't they? Yeah, Paulie, Zayvon Collins, man, he's going to get the opportunity to do it because, again, if ever there was a team that attacks in between the tackles, it's the Baltimore Ravens. It's also the Tennessee Titans. Interestingly enough, over the next two preseason games, they're going to get the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. Paulie, that's about as physical as it gets in between the tackles. That's going to give Zayvon the opportunity to – be at the point of attack, to get off blocks, and to make a play, man. I want to see Christian Matthew again. I want to see this 6'2", 7th-round corner. He has looked good in practice. He obviously looked good in the game with a couple of pass breakups. Josh Jackson. I mean, what exactly do they have in that cornerback room? Do they have to go outside? Like you said, maybe they look for an offensive lineman after cuts. Maybe that's the same deal with corner. We don't know. So there's, there's going to be a lot on the radar, no doubt. By the way, congrats to Zach and Julie Ertz welcoming a newborn son. That announcement was made today. Madden Matthew Ertz. How about that? Love that, Polly, right there. And oh, by the way, look out for Trace McSorley as well. Yes. And oh, by the way, Cliff Kingsbury says that uh, their son, the Ertz's son, 18 years from now, has a standing scholarship <laughs> offer from the NAIA school that he's going to be coaching. That so that was a so solid fast. line. Hey, special thanks to uh, Justin Pugh. As always, Senior Broadcast Manager and Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Zach, actually, Lauren Koval. Thank you very much. For Ron Wolfley, I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Ciao! been listening to the big red rage presented by santan ford in gilbert are you santan ford state farm talk to an agent today at 800 state farm and by arizona cardinals podcasts visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts this has been an exclusive presentation of the arizona cardinals football club